a professional relationship, but still comes with enough compassion that they will actually affect change in their life. It's not taught. It's, it's what people bring of themselves. Hello, welcome to The Seasoned RD, a podcast connecting newer professionals in the field of eating disorders to those of us who have been around for a while. I'm your host, Beth Harrell, a certified eating disorders registered dietitian and supervisor. And I'm Abby Brown, a registered dietitian who is newer to the field. I think of myself as a well-seasoned cast iron skillet with wisdom and experience, yet always ready for something new. And I think of myself as an Instapot with innovation and a fresh perspective. This podcast brings both to the table to share ingredients, recipes, and techniques of past and present so we can all be our best for the future. The kettle is heating up. The skillet is on simmer. So join us around the table for true professional nourishment. Abby, ready to stir the pot? Let's do it. Hello and welcome back to The Seasoned RD or welcome to The Seasoned RD if this is your first time checking us out. Today we're talking with Amanda Mellowspring. She is a certified eating disorders registered dietitian and supervisor and you may not have heard of her but I think you'll be glad for the introduction because she's quite the force not out on social media but has done some amazing work over the past 15 years or so to shape our field. She shares with us how she taps into the it factor of her supervisees, basically how she enjoys combining art and science by highlighting the best qualities of their perspective, adding it to hers to create these amazing connections and outcomes. One thing I really align with Amanda is her learning from therapists and medical providers. We put ourselves into the multidisciplinary role, case collaboration, signing ourselves up for therapy webinars. I wish we could webinar all day long. That's one of my favorite quotes of Amanda's in this episode, but just really combining ourselves with other providers. So she also runs a farm with lavender and bees and other things. So listen in. And she answers Abby's reflection that supervision for eating disorders, especially for dietitians who aren't familiar with the concept of supervision, can feel like a beast. Enjoy. Hello. Today we are with Amanda Mello Spring. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Beth. Hi, Abby. Hi. So nice to have you. We're really excited to learn from you. You're like the queen of supervision. So we're we're really excited. <laughs> so starting off here, mountains or beach? Oh, definitely mountains for me. Me too. I'm a, yes, I'm a mountain girl through and through. Uh, yeah. Why is that? For me, I think it's the, it's the serenity. It's, it's the quiet. I also love the lush, but probably by and large, it's, it's the, it's the fall. Autumn is my season. Me too. Yeah. I knew we had, I knew we connected in more ways (laughs) than one. Absolutely. We do. And then breakfast or dinner. That's a good one. We have a little joke at my house about second breakfast. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go with breakfast. I could do breakfast a few times a day. Mm-hmm. And I generally have breakfast twice a day with farm life. You got to get up and get some things done and then you get to sit down and have, have real breakfast. So that's, that's, so that's what second breakfast is, is something to tide you over and then sit down and have a real breakfast. Well, so, so first, I, I, the way that I think of it is like first breakfast is like the, the like 
cup of coffee and whatever that you're grabbing to go out the door to like feed the animals or check on, you know, whatever might be going on outside. And then coming back in second breakfast is like, to me, it's the real breakfast. It's like the sit down, have real breakfast food, take your time. Um, So yeah, that's my, that's my meal. (laughs) I love it. I, I think there's a trend going on right now of RDs living on farms. And I think it's the coolest combination. I love it. Yes, it is. It is my, it's, it's my serenity. It's my, you know, I think a lot of people assume that, that it's more about being a dietitian than, than anything else. And for me, it's actually probably my like personal time. It's my, it's my time away. So, but it's probably just the saturation of, you know, the things that I love that comes out in different ways. What types of animals do you guys have? So we focus on heritage breed animals, which would be on the cons- livestock conservation list. So we have we have Jacob sheep. We have we have one South Down uh, sheep, which is also on the heritage list. We have started raising bees in the past year, which are not technically a heritage breed, but arguably are are important and need to be preserved. And we usually have a good number of of birds of different kinds. So heritage breed turkeys and ducks and geese and, and that, uh, that kind of thing. So right now I have a big lavender bed in front of my bees. Ooh, um, I can smell that right now. <laughs> so it's so lovely and gardens and, and dogs. we got to have the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I'm really into bees lately and honey and like the propolis and all of those things. It's so amazing. It's they're fascinating animals. Uh It really is. They're, they are, they're pretty amazing how they, how they work together and just intuitively know what they need from each other. It's a, it's a, it's a really neat thing to learn about. So there's some collaboration here. I need to learn about this. I'm just going to have to come and see. That's right. That's right. There you go. There you go. All right. And then audiobook or paper book? Oh, I do a lot of driving. And so audiobook is functionally helpful. So I would never say no to that. But paperback book, I... I'm, I like the smell. I like, I like the words. Yeah. I like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're not alone for sure in that. And one of the reasons we ask those questions is the the seasoned RD is about the different level of seasonings we have. And back when I started there, there weren't, we weren't using computers. We certainly didn't have cell phones. I mean, when we started now we have so much more technology, but almost every generation, it seems really likes the paper book. Mm -hmm. That's something that's just so, yeah. Yeah. So common for all of us. Okay. Amanda, I'm going to take you back and hopefully this question isn't too traumatizing to ask. (laughs) You are a registered dietitian. Yes. Yes. So back to exam day for the RD exam. What do you remember? Was it a number two pencil or a keyboard? So mine was a keyboard and it was, I was alone in a room that had two computers and they were like the old school computers that took up, you know, you had to have the extra wide desk to make sure the whole monitor could fit. And the, and the keyboard was attached to the monitor, but the screen was like, I'm probably, I'm not a great IT person, so I might get this wrong, but it was like what I would call like a beta version. It was like a black screen with green words, (laughs) which I, I felt was even a little old school at the time, but, but yeah, it was one question at a time, black screen, green words, I could never sit and do that now because I would need, 
I would need extra strength reading glasses to be able to see (laughs) that green writing now. But, and I remember taking the exam and there was a proctor, you know, in the other little outside room with the window and I'm taking the exam, I'm going through the questions and all of a sudden the screen just goes blank. And then it, and then in really small words, it said, congratulations, you have passed. <laughs> and I think that's all it said. And I, it was so small, even at the time I was like at this, I was like looking and I'm just sitting looking and I'm like, I don't, I, I didn't really understand that it was going to happen that way. So a few minutes, the doctor is like knocking on the window and they're like, you can come out. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. And Abby told me that if you go in with glasses now, they have to check them because you you can have all kinds of technology within your glasses. Oh, that's yeah. No, that was, yeah, that was not a thing at the time, but it was, it was, it was, it was different than what I expected. I feel like I did some of the practice things, but I don't, I don't think I was prepared for what it was actually going to look like, um, which, which was a little disorienting at first. Thankfully, there was a Krispy Kreme right outside <laughs> the testing site. And that was my immediate, I was like, the first thing I'm doing as a registered dietitian is going to Krispy Kreme. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we interviewed Rebecca McConville and she had the same thing. She sat there and looked at it and she didn't even know. She didn't see the tiny part. So she went out uh, to the proctor and said, I don't know if I past or not. And the proctor said, I'm not supposed to show you this, but look, it says, congratulations. And she was just like sweating. (laughs) It's, it's such an underwhelming congratulations. You're like, this is what my career rides on. And that's all I get. There should be balloons, confetti, (laughs) small prints, Krispy Kreme donuts. I know. I was like, I had to, yeah, I had to like up the, you know, excitement level and, and do something special, but Yeah, I agree. It is very underwhelming. So Mm -hmm. I I hear that. I evidently that has not changed. So (laughs) that part of it. (laughs) I can attest. Yeah. What got you interested in becoming a dietitian and how did you get into the field of eating disorders work? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of one in the same for, for me, I, in high school and, and for many years prior to that had a, had a really dear friend. She and I were very close and in high school, was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. And, and really it was, it was kind of, it was a somewhat traumatizing experience. I think for everyone, it was probably my first experience in life where I couldn't like help another person by doing for them. And it was also really interesting because we lived in a pretty average size city, but there were no resources. It took her months to be diagnosed. She was given all of the you know, conflicting diagnoses that we hear with, with clients all the time of, you know, you have an athletic heart and you are, you know, you're just running too much or all of these other, other things that came up. And so when she was finally diagnosed, she had to, she had to get treatment outside of the area that we lived, which I think was really, really for me was kind of helped me to see how specialized the field was. And for her, her, her recovery had a lot to do with with just re being reeducated by a dietitian about food and and t- I think to me it felt like my I was really drawn to the fact that someone could be that impactful to another person who was also very wise and and intelligent in her own right but to be so influenced by another person was really meaningful to me. So that's that's why I decided to study nutrition. It's it, I wanted to work with eating disorder recovery 
from the get-go. I got a little derailed because again, at that time, there were a lot of folks who felt like, oh, if you want to work with eating disorders, you actually want to be a therapist. So I got a little derailed. I studied psychology for several years and I, I did really well, but I also was, I, I realized I was like, this is, this is not exactly what I want to do. So I circled back around and ended up back in, in, you know, studying nutrition, which studying nutrition with the idea of working with eating disorders was, was also just an interesting experience because it's not the, it's not the lens that, that nutrition is taught. So that was kind of how I got into the field though. Wow. I mean, I am so very interested in, because you're one of the first people that I know who's gone into the field with already thinking about eating disorders. Most of us come out and kind of learn as we're practicing that, oh, maybe we don't want to be doing this or this or that and kind of fall into finding out that we're, we're treating eating disorders without even really knowing it. So I, and this is one reason that Abby is just, just so great as a co-host is that she's got the current training right now. She's hearing what our guests are talking about. And she's like, what? You know, we're not taught this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was kind of notorious in my nutrition education <laughs> career of making every assignment about eating disorders. And some of some of my instructors, I think, got a little worn out by it. But it was, you know, it was like, oh, we need to do you know, research on a particular micronutrient. Well, I'm going to do an entire research document on micronutrient deficiencies in eating disorders. <laughs> so Love it was just everything. A lot of it was just really digging, looking for any information I could get. I got, you know, I got support from, from my instructors, but, but not wisdom from the field of eating disorders. I mean, they were wonderful, you know, instructors in, you know, in their own right, but, but they were supportive, but it was, it was definitely like, oh, here comes, here comes Amanda with, with another <laughs> eating disorder example. But I, it was, you know, it was what kept me motivated because there were a lot of aspects of nutrition that I, quite frankly, am so grateful that other people are interested in because they were not for me. So, um, yeah. so that's what kept me motivated in, you know, in my, in my, you know, career as, as being, you know, a student. Yeah. What did you, who were your influencers back then? There weren't, there wasn't a whole lot. There's a lot more now, but I'm curious who kind of helped your formation. Yeah, that is a great question. I'm trying to, honestly, I would say, I feel like, and I want to acknowledge the dietitians that have been in the field, you know, prior, prior to me, but I have to say at that point, I didn't have any, any, any folks like directing me towards them. And so the, the people that were more prevalent in the field were almost always therapists. And so that's where I was getting a lot of any, you know, information or insight that I could learn about eating disorders was, was tending to come from that lens. And then it was, it was actually probably well into my career before I started meeting dietitians who had been in the field prior to me, who really paved the way. And I just didn't, I didn't know I was walking that path, but, but they, they had already been there. And so, so I think, you know, in that, in that regard, there were, there were a lot of therapists and, and some medical doctors that I think were in, you know, I didn't even go to conferences and things like that until I was already in the field. So it was, it was really, it was a little bit of kind of catch what I can, learn what I can. I probably gained a lot more from, from research at the time, just trying to pull information for course assignments and things like Mm -hmm. that. So, Mm -hmm. um, but so many, 
so many people I could name, but but the reality is that that there wasn't an avenue to mm-hmm. to access them unless you kind of stumbled upon them. You know, I I I think one of my first books that I read that really influenced me was Anita Johnston's Eating in the Light of the Moon, which is, you know, really not a nutrition book, which is probably what I liked about it at the time too. But it was, <laughs> but it was like the it was the first time that I read something that really aligned with like the the idea of treating from a place of compassion and really mm-hmm. understanding the function of the eating disorder. And I think that really influenced my approach in my career. And so I really love, you know, love that about her work. And it was through that, that I started to, to learn how to access more information. I didn't know that there were treatment centers and whatnot, you know, as I, I just knew that, that there was a way to help people and I didn't know what that would look like. Right. And now you're chair of a large group of treatment centers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Anita Johnston's Eating in the Light of the Moon was one of my first introductions. And I did attend a conference about every two to four years. It was the Renfrew Center Conference. And I would go to a lot of the therapy tracks and I had the supervision with my local group in Kansas City of psychologists and therapists. And sometimes if we were lucky, a psychiatrist would join us. But that's just on a regular basis. We were case consulting and and then started into supervision. So it is, you're, you were finding your way and the research that you were finding, I, I think even today, there's just not a lot of great research in nutrition and eating disorders. Mm-hmm. We're better. Yeah, absolutely. I was just, that reminded me of another book when in grad school, I also came upon Stephen Bratman's book, Health Food Junkies, which is much more common, commonly recognized now than it was at the time. But I, I went to, I actually went to a naturopathic medical school for grad school that had a nutrition program. And I, I came upon this book and I remember bringing it up and they had, there was like, like a sordid history at this university with, with this particular author that he had been invited to speak. And then there was, a, there were a lot of feelings about, about his book in relation to, you know, kind of like the natural medicine kind of focus. And so then he, it was kind of reneged. And then, so it was like, it was this very interesting kind of sorted history, but his book also greatly influenced me because I was very interested in natural medicine at the time and, and still greatly honor that path. But I was also, you know, there studying nutrition to work with eating disorders. And it was this very interesting kind of combination of how to kind of navigate that, those two different, those two different worlds. And, and I mean, it's, it's amazing to say now that I have a relationship with Dr. Pratt, Dr. Bratman. I've been able to speak with him at conferences. I've co-presented with him a couple different times in a, def- a couple different formats, and 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 stay in touch with him. And he's, you know, it's 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 really neat how small the field is once you get into. It. He would say he's not really in the eating disorder field, but still, our field is pretty small. And I think that that book really influenced me because it was the recognition of what I think I was seeing a lot in in my immediate life at the time, which is, which is that like navigating health in a way that is not extreme. I think that that also greatly influenced my, my career path and my, you know, approach to, to this work. Yeah. What was the name of that book again? Health food junkies. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. And you bring in an important piece about the natural, the naturopathic 
and, and functional medicine kind of worlds is that we seem to be in opposing situations when you said there's controversy and then I'll use the word obesity in quotes because we know that that's can be more harming to to stigmatize someone in that way obesity or overweight and so we're trying to come across the aisle and come together and you have this built this relationship with someone who says he's not in the eating disorders world but he may have been one of the pioneers of of kind of recognizing them Yes, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's really true. It's a, I, I often will say about a lot of things in our, in our work, but it's, there's so many more similarities in what we're trying to do for people than differences. And, but I think that it's easy for, for folks to get hung up on the titles and like the lingo, like you're, like you were saying, Beth, like, you know, the, the titles and the, the, the lingo around the obesity approach or, you know, weight management or those kinds of ideas. I think underneath that there, there, there really is at the core more similarity in what we're trying to work with people on how to, how to empower them and to, you know, to, to, really be aligned with how they take care of themselves around food and their, in their life. And then there are differences that I think are really significant and can really move people in, you know, different directions for, for, you know, benefit or not. But, but one of the things that I I've always appreciated about Dr. Bratman's book and his approach, first of all, he's extremely funny and it makes everything just like much more tolerable when, um, when someone can, can give you a dose of humor, but for someone who's really lived that, that life and is part of that, you know, the community of, of natural health providers, but to also kind of acknowledge the ways that moderation is, is key and the ways that we can kind of get extreme about anything. I think it, it really opens more people's eyes when you're able to to come at it from a place of understanding, it doesn't feel quite as you know, maybe contrary. So. Sure. Yeah. You know, you, you teach the leading by example workshop for IADEP. So this is for IADEP approved supervisors, and it is a required three hour course or work webinar workshop so that our supervisors can understand what is expected. And it's taught by medical doctor, dietitian, you, and therapist. And so one of the things, the quotes that I pulled out, because because I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be honest with anyone who's listening. I could talk to Amanda all day long. And so, so I'm just trying to pull out some things that I think you might be interested as a newer professional in the field or RD is some things that you talked about supervision, like what you learned from a, a, and I'll just bring up that Abby in one of our previous episodes just said supervision feels like a beast. And it does. And we're not taught that in undergrad or graduate school for dietitians. And Amanda, you were brought up around a lot of psychologists and therapists. And truly, we need to learn and understand the therapy. So, but you mentioned something. And the statement was what I learned from my supervisees is gratifying for me. Can you tell us a little more about that? Absolutely. I I am so grateful to the this the certification process through IADEP and the idea of of supervision because it's it's become something that I, I grew a lot in my own career through supervision. It looked it looks a lot of different ways at different times, but I feel like that process really started to solidify for me, what supervision means and how it, it really helps to, to 
evolve, you know, to allow to allow me to evolve professionally, but also to really see newer dietitians in the field like growing just exponentially in a professional regard because of supervision. And that's something that, you know, I feel really lucky that I work, I have, I have worked and, and continue to work with amazing providers in the field of eating disorders that I've learned so much from that that I don't think I always knew it was supervision, but for me, it's because I've become so passionate about offering supervision, receiving supervision, engaging in opportunities to grow in that particular way, because every, you know, every client that we work with in the field of eating disorders, I mean, arguably true in other regards as well, but especially with eating disorders, it's, you, you can't really, you never really know everything you need to know because every human is having their own experience in the world. And even if with the same diagnosis, there's so many, so many variables. And so I've always loved that as in doing supervision with, with other folks, they've been trained differently than I have. They've interacted with different people than I have. They come from different backgrounds than I, than I do. And the things that, that folks bring into supervision that reveals the, the reveals them like them, like their it factor, I think is always really, really beautiful. And to see someone really bringing, bringing that in, I, I take notes during supervision about what we're talking about. So I can track that the next time I talk to my supervisees, but I also take notes of the little, the little tidbits that people say that I think I'm going to, I'm going to use that. I love how, how you just said that. I love, you know, I was just training some of our new staff at a site the other day and I was working with them on how to do, how to do portioning, how to support clients with portioning. And one of the, the folks that was in the training group is an art therapist and she was working with a, a mock client who was struggling. And, and she said, you know, think of it as a, as a piece of art, you know, how would you put it on the plate so that it looks like the painting that you're looking at right here? And I was like, that is beautiful. That is, you know, that is yes. not something that, that my nutrition science mind would have come up with. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's things like that, where I think, you know, there's, we have just to be a constant learner just makes you better at what you do. So, Oh man, those tidbits of the, what people say. And, and when you mentioned art therapy, I think you did a presentation that included the child drawing the table at their house yes. and who's at the table and what, you know, what, what the table looks like. Yes. And that was just fascinating because I love visual learning like that. Absolutely. I think that's a great example of the, the, being informed by, by great therapists along the way. There are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of ways that they use that, those types of visuals, but to be able to, to pull that into the work that we do, I think adds so many layers. So what, what do you mean when you say you're learning their it factor? Is that what you said? The it factor? Yes. I, I, I think of it that way a lot because I, I think this work is, is something that can be taught. And I think we, you know, we're doing a better job in our, you know, in our educational system for dietitian, future dietitians to, to teach more about eating disorders. So there's a lot of it that can be taught, but I think the, to really move a person to heal themselves, to, to, to have enough of a relationship with a person that is a professional relationship, but still comes with enough enough compassion that they will actually affect change in their life. That 
to me, I always say it's just, it's not taught. It's, it's what people bring of themselves. Mm. And for some people that comes very naturally. And for some people that's more of an evolution, but that's what heals people is the relationship. And mm. you know, people, we all know that our clients know the information. That's not what they're lacking, but to feel seen and to, to sit with someone who holds space for them in a way mm. that still pushes them to, to do more is a really neat thing to be witness to. But I think mm. that that's what, that's what I love about working with so many dietitians. I get to yeah. work with so many dietitians in my role and I, and I just get to see all of these little flashes of light when I, um, when I'm working with them. Yeah. Well, and it, hearing how you talk about supervision and lots of our other guests as well, it makes me think that supervision isn't really a beast. It makes me feel like this is cool. Like I, this is just something I, I want to do. It's not even a should or a have to. And Beth, you're right. It's not something we're taught about is supervision, but even my first instances or introduction of supervision, that's when it seems like a beast. It seems like you have to do all these hours, then you have to do this and such and such, but it's such an awesome learning opportunity and how you're explaining, Amanda, that, you know, the art therapist was there. And so now you learn a little bit about that and somebody else has a different avenue. And so it's, it doesn't seem as much of a beast anymore. And I just love listening to how you explain it. Yeah. I, Abby, I'm glad you, that you said that because if you, if a person is going for certification, it's like, it's not a sprint. It is truly a marathon. You mm-hmm. sit back, it's at least two years, once a month with your supervisor, 2,500 hours with your client and the things that you learn along the way. And I'll just give an example of kind of when you were talking about the it factor and the, and learning about each supervisee, had someone reach out and say, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, newer in the field. I want supervision. And then they said, okay, I'm, I have someone who I think has binge eating disorder. Should I take it? Am I qualified to do this? And I said, let's dive in, let's do it. And I get an email from her right after that, like a week later saying, I'm so glad that we, that we did this because she learned so much by putting herself in that situation. Mm -hmm. But she always then knew that she could reach out to me um, if she had any questions, but we don't diagnose diet. We don't diagnose eating disorders as dietitians. And so we're working with the human, the person, their they're um, compassionately looking at all of the misinformation that they've been given about themselves and their eating. And that's what we can do the best. Absolutely. And I think too, it's like, I, I've, I've said to folks before, like, please take the client that's asking to work with you because they will go to someone else who's not getting supervision. <sighs> yeah. And, and, you know, this is, it's a, you know, it's a team effort and, and, you know, this is how, how we learn. And, you know, if someone was, was really not in a place where they were quite ready, I would have a different conversation, but in general, you know, there are, you know, we're not required to have supervision. And, and there are so many, you know, so many dietitians that I would say that the general public assumes dietitians do understand eating disorders. So dietitians are working with eating disorders all the time and they, they may or may not recognize what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You had mentioned some things that you had to learn the hard way, like that your friend had been told she had an athletic heart, she was running too much. Like, what? Do you, how did you learn what you know now about those things? Yeah, I would say so. My my career once I once I 
started my dietetic internship, I, um, I used that same super assertive um, uh, kind of approach and was able to find a treatment center that would allow me to do an internship rotation there. And so from that point forward, my career has always in some way been uh, adjacent to a treatment center. So I've always worked in some level of care. I've also done private practice, but but I would say one of the things that I love the most about working in a treatment program is the fact that I I learned from so many amazing gifted people in, in all of these other capacities. Like you were mentioning earlier, Beth, like I've worked with amazing medical doctors and psychiatrists and therapists and nurses and support staff that just know clients in a different way. I've also worked with amazing dietitians, both in and out of, of treatment environments as well. And I feel like that's where I've learned most of what I know. I, you know, I enjoy going to conferences. I learn a great deal of information by attending conferences and webinars. And there's so many more options than there used to be. It's almost, it's almost overwhelming now to to figure out which, which amazing opportunity to attend and Mm -hmm. how to, how to work and not just webinar all the time. But, um, (laughs) but it's, uh, but I would say for me, it's really been a gift that I had the opportunity to work in environments where I learned from, from such amazing providers. And, and, you know, I, I, was so, I've always been so entrenched in the care with clients that it's, you know, it's a really intensive learning experience. It can, you know, it can happen in other environments, but for me, it's, it was the day in and day out of collaborating with teams and being with clients in a really intimate way that, that really helped me to, to, acquire the amount of information Mm -hmm. that I, Mm -hmm. that I have. And I feel like that's one of the things that folks that are working outpatient, supervision becomes even more significant to me to model that, that idea of teamwork and collaboration. It takes a lot more work in an outpatient environment to do that. Hugely. And so speaking of treatment centers, can you highlight Montanito, what that is and what your role is there? Absolutely. Thanks, Abby. So Montanito and Affiliates is a national eating disorder treatment program, kind of an umbrella of multiple versions of um, of our program at this point. So Montanito was originally started by Carolyn Costin in California. So we have Montanito residential programs. We have Montanito day programs. We have the Oliver Pyatt Centers in Miami, which was originally started by Wendy Oliver Pyatt. And we have residential and day programs there. We also have Clementine Adolescent Residential Programs nationally. And then we have also recently acquired Rosewood Treatment Centers in Arizona. So we have uh, all levels of care from inpatient, residential, PHP, and IOP in our programs across the country. We treat clients of all genders. And our Clementine programs go down to age 11. So we're treating a, a large section of, of the eating disorder community, but not everybody. I know that there's still need outside of what we offer, but I have been in a few different roles in the organization and I am currently the vice president of nutrition services. So I oversee our nutrition services and food service for all of our programs nationally. Yeah. And your dietitians get supervision, right? 
Absolutely. That is one of the things that I I really love about the role that I'm currently in is that everything we do is obviously for the benefit of our clients. But what I love about what I get to do now is, is fully embrace the fact that our clients receive the best care when our staff is the most supported and informed and we have the most collaboration and connection as a team. So our dietitians receive one-on-one weekly supervision. We do monthly all calls by kind of division or level of care to address specific programmatic differences. And then we we also do monthly internal webinars to help our dietitians practice mm-hmm. submitting a proposal and writing a presentation. And then they mm-hmm. offer the webinar and we get CE credits for our team. And then I also love that I get to do small group supervision where I've put some of our dietitians together and I do small group supervision where we do kind of deep dives once a month on individual cases just to to really support them to make sure that, um, you know, a lot of eating disorder treatment environments, there's one dietitian and there's a house full of therapists and, and other providers. And, and that's, you know, that's how, how it works and how it, how it feels. But in this, in this day and age in our field, there's no reason that our dietitians should ever feel alone. And so we really try to make sure that there's a lot of support and connection in that way. So I really Mm -hmm. love the opportunity to do that. If we could all have some time at a higher level of care like that, it just, it does, it feels so supportive. And and some of my colleagues who move from that level of care to outpatient, we do, we feel a little bit like a fish out of water because I'm not fish out of water. That was me back when I moved from an inpatient hospital program to my first private practice job. It's like, I feel like, I don't know, it's totally different, totally different. But you're so supported by the full team when someone is at that higher level of care and then outpatient. What I was going to say is some colleagues now, when they come to this area, it's like you feel isolated. You feel much more alone. And so we can connect via webinars and we can do all those learnings. And like you said, how how to work and not just do just webinar all the time. But so the outpatient dietitians and do you do supervision for outpatient dietitians also? Yeah, outside of my outside of my role at, at Montanito, I the 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 one thing that I have lovingly continued in my own private work is doing professional supervision. And I mm-hmm. do supervision with folks who are who are working towards IADEP certification, folks who are just needing some support in their work and may not mm-hmm. be pursuing it. And then I actually have have the lovely opportunity of doing supervision with a few folks who are already certified through IADEP and they just continue to value um, mm-hmm. the collaboration and, and support of supervision. So, um, so yes. That's, that's awesome. With a newer person, I'm going to go back to this little nugget that I, I want to see how you would help your supervisee when they say that their, their client has been told that they have an athletic heart. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. It's, uh, from their doctor, from whoever, their coach. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I feel like there's a few, few layers that I, that I tend to approach and, and some of it, you know, not to get too specific, but some of it depends on the age of the client and their kind of self-awareness and in relation to their, their eating disorder as well. But a lot of times I feel like it's, it's, well, certainly it's important to provide education to the client about how the heart is impacted with malnutrition. And that's, again, one of the things that 
there was a specific doctor that I, that I learned under for a great deal of time who, who had some great examples of, you know, how hard someone's heart is working to do normal daily activities when they're undernourished, which is, which is it, it then appears this in a similar way medically as someone who has an athletic heart, but was able to kind of really help me articulate the differences for, for a client. So I think having that conversation of like, you have an athletic heart doing very normal daily activities, which is not, which is not an indication of health. It's an indication of strain and kind of having that kind of educational opportunity with clients. But for me, this is, goes back to collaboration and really making sure that you assert that you are an advocate for your client and making sure to touch base with that medical provider mm-hmm. and just follow up number one, to make sure that that's actually what was said, because I think the other thing that's that we a all good point. have to keep in mind is that there are different versions of the truth sometimes. And so mm-hmm. really making sure that that's the conversation that was had. And then, and then number one, kind of making sure that the provider is aware of the concerns with the client's nutrition status. Mm-hmm. And then is that an opportunity to educate them? You know, mm-hmm. is there an opportunity that, you know, we could talk more about this? Like, do you want to grab a coffee or, you know, do you want to, you know, do you have a minute to talk about the, could I send you some information on this and really working to align? Because I think that's another thing. It's easy to get frustrated with providers that are less informed and feel like I'm just going to refer them somewhere else. And the reality is that number one, that doesn't help that person learn, but also it is not an option everywhere. Um, So um, the more we can, the more we can advocate for future clients that may see that provider mm-hmm. and helping that person learn more, I think the better we'll, you know, we'll all be doing as a as a society around recognizing and treating eating disorders, hopefully yeah. preventing. But thank you. Yeah. I think that's just another point for collaboration. Some of my screening forms are medical, what I call the medical clearance for outpatient care is it's a little the part two is is a training for the doc, just a little asterisk that says athletic heart versus malnourished heart. And it's just a little bit of a quote from Dr. Gaudiani's Sick Enough book about the the walk across the room test. So if you have an athletic heart, then your heart rate's not going to change that much because it is like this well-oiled machine. But if it's doing all that work, like you talked about, then you're going to see a significant change. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example of of that like normal normal activity and yeah, Dr. Gaudiani has a great way of articulating that really clearly. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of a silly term, athletic heart. Because <laughs> I mean, it sounds so cool like, oh, I'm athletic, like I have a good heart type of deal, but somebody has all of these really restrictive behaviors and they're being told they have an athletic heart, then they think, Oh, well, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing, doing all the right stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Abby. It seems yeah. silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's a, there's a lot of terminology that I think sometimes in, um, you know, I think it's uncomfortable for providers to, to really assert with clients when they're concerned about, about, you know, potential for eating disorders as well. And there's a lot of words that get thrown around to try to soften. I'm a big advocate of, you know, say what you mean with compassion, because that's, that's how you support someone in affecting change. And I think that's one of those examples of like, not, not really saying what we mean, we say it that way. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, Amanda, I have kind of a little wrap up question for you. So and take your time answering this, but taking yourself back to entering the field of eating disorders, what do you wish you would have known then that you know now? 
Mm. There's so many things that I think, um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to give two different answers if I can, because one relates more to clients and one more to professional growth. So I'm going to start with the clients. Cause I would say, I, I do feel like there are, this is, we're doing a better job in our field now, but I would say, I really wish that I had been more informed about health at every size concepts in particular. I feel like intuitive eating, the book wasn't out yet, but I feel like I had some introduction to full recovery and and things like that, that I felt pretty good about. But I would say the idea of health at every size, I feel like it was, it was kind of around, but I didn't feel like I, I got fully, I didn't feel like I had enough information to fully embrace it and articulate to other people what I was advocating for early in my career. So I would say for sure, when I think about clients, those are the, those are the things that I, I wish that I had a little more or a lot more information about. From a professional standpoint, I, I wish that I had recognized early on that there's so much potential for what you can do within this field. We were just talking, the three of us were just talking earlier about, you know, eating disorders seems to be such a specialty, but then there's all of these subspecialties within that and, and, and different roles that you can play. And I wish that I had, had just been more aware of the potential. I think, I think I've made my way and I've done pretty, pretty well. I feel pretty good about, about where I've been able to, to take myself, but I would say, you know, I just, I, I would have loved to, have thought about the fact that learning more about business acumen for private practice purposes or learning more about personnel management for personnel management purposes. Like those are things that I just, you know, in my, in my mind, it was pretty narrow. It was like, I'm a dietitian and this is what I'll do. And I'll, you know, I'll do it this way. And so I think those would be things that, and I do see newer dietitians embracing that more and, and, and kind of coming in with more like getting an MBA or, you know, things like that, that, that I'm like, Oh, that was really smart. <laughs> so, <laughs> so kudos to, to folks that are coming in with that information, but those would be my, my two things, I think. Oh, those are so important. I mean, what a great summary. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, Amanda. We could talk all day, like I said. And so I'm looking forward to seeing you next time, hopefully in person at some conference somewhere now that the pandemic is starting to quiet down. Absolutely. I hope so. This has been so fun. Thank you so much, Beth Aww. and Abby. I agree. I could do this all day. This is this was a great, a great morning event for me. So thank you. <laughs> Let's lean on each other and learn from each other so we can grow together as professionals in this field of eating disorders. If you want to connect with me for supervision or membership with monthly content, please find me at bethharrell.com professionals.